The opinions expressed in this program reflect only those of the participants and are not necessarily those of the sponsors, management, or staff of WTBQ Radio or FST Broadcasting Corporation. WTBQ. Good morning, Orange County, Northern New Jersey. Sullivan County, Pennsylvania, and Pike County, and we are streamed everywhere. And this morning on Middletown Medicals, the doctor's in, we have Dr. Matavala back with us through popular demand. And we also have on the phone with us, uh, I was going to say doctor, (laughs) Mr. Leo Cades, senior. And uh, the last show that Dr. Matavala did, you were on with him as well there. I was, and it was certainly a pleasure and an honor to be on with uh, Dr. Montevallo. Good morning, doctor. Good morning to you as well, and thanks for having me back. And we are very... Leo, I'd like you to start it, because I remember last time uh, there were a number of questions you had, and that was actually a premier show, the first show that we did for Middletown Medical, and there's a lot more listeners now, so I'd like to kind of maybe touch on some of the points that you raised last time. Well, last time... You know, I, I had uh, asked uh, Dr. Madhavala, and uh, I felt guilty about not even getting a copay, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it out of your paycheck. <laughs> but, uh, you know, some of the uh, things that I've uh, experienced you know, with, um, with open-heart surgery, um, uh, like 14 or 15 years ago, um, and the result of that you know, has, has been good. And uh, the doctor gave me some advice on the Ramipril that I'm taking for... Uh, arterial uh, valve leak. Uh, so, you know, we had talked about that. We had talked about stress related uh, to heart disease. Uh, and, I, and I've taken that all into consideration. And uh, I, I think awareness is, um, is uh, so important. And that's why I think what, what you're doing today and in um, the past uh, is a great service to the community. Yeah, the technology today must be, you know, from the time that Leo had his surgery, maybe you can bring everybody up to date on what, you know, is new out there. Well, you know, I was going to ask the doctor, uh, it's nothing we talked about last time, but uh, with congenital uh, heart uh, defect, I would imagine, you know, when I was born, they didn't have that technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, those children have grown up to be adults, and how would they know that, you know, they, they have that risk? Well, that's that's a very interesting question you bring up, and that's that congenital heart disease is one of the fields within uh, one of the things within our fields that has really taken um, grown by leaps and bounds since uh, a couple of uh, decades. So, well, the first and foremost thing is if congenital heart disease is not discovered in routine screening or due to the presence or absence of symptoms and signs at birth. Uh, most people who are in their 50s, 60s uh, don't have to worry much about most of those aspects because uh, they survived 50, 60 years. And once in a while during routine screening, you may pick up something that you were born with and you're still living with. Doesn't mean now you have to start getting worried about it. You could possibly just go on with life and not have to uh, bother fixing it at all. Um, However... Uh, there are certain aspects, uh, certain congenital diseases that are that are picked up during routine screening, and those now we have newer therapies. Right um, within the first six months to a year, they can be fixed with minimal invasive techniques or, if need be, open heart surgery. But 
at your doctor's visit, just a routine EKG can pick up some subtle signs that there is uh, an issue with the electrical system of your heart, which is affected by a coexisting congenital problem. That's number one. Number two, just putting a stethoscope on your heart can pick up uh, a murmur, which we discussed last time. Murmur is nothing but a an abnormal sound created by blood flowing a little, not in a smooth manner through your heart. And a stethoscope uh, of an astute physician can easily pick it up. That's why many people wonder, what's the role of a routine visit if I'm feeling great? You just go to your doctor, he puts a stethoscope. 99 out of 100 times, you'll just feel he's just doing the routine wor- works of putting a stethoscope. One out of 100 or maybe even less, he may pick up something, hear something. And, and with heart murmurs, uh, do they get worse as you get older, or do they stay the same? Well, again, it depends uh, <clears throat> what the heart murmur is due to. If it's a, a serious congenital issue um, or another serious issue, then it could get worse with the condition getting worse. But uh, most heart murmurs are just innocent murmurs, as we like Doctor, to call why, it. Doctor, why is a left uh, bundle branch uh, less dangerous than right bundle branch? Oh, good question. Uh, very good question. I'm not quite sure if it is really less dangerous. Um, however, if you're talking in context of which one might require a pacemaker more, then certainly it could be less dangerous. Uh, bundles are nothing but wires in the heart. On the left side, we have two. On the right side, you only have one. Uh, left bundle branch block, if it happens on the left side, one could foresee you have an extra wire on that side. Uh, so you know, don't need an uh, outside wiring mechanism called a pacemaker uh, to keep your heart at a certain pace. On the right side, you only have one. Uh, hey, and Leo, you just mentioned something about a leaky heart valve. Now, I know Frank's mother had a, a replacement valve. Well, they call it replacement, but from what we were told is they actually put the valve on top yes. of the other valve. They don't actually take it off. And somebody her age, <clears throat> they went in through her um, thigh. Right. To, instead of cracking open the chest. So how do you know when it's time to take a leaky valve to that step and put that uh, other valve on? And when do you just say, it's okay, leave it alone? Right. So the most important thing is symptoms. If you ha- are living with a, a tight valve or a valve condition, either leaky or tight, uh, if you have symptoms of shortness of breath or chest tightness or you are passing out, then it's time to really evaluate closely, number one. Number two, now with newer techniques, uh, similar to uh, what Frank's mom had, these procedures are uh, less risky. So we are trying to catch it and and fix it earlier, even before the onset of symptoms. So a routine uh, imaging of the heart with an echocardiogram can pick up certain subtle findings uh, that will tell us that it's time to really get on it. And Leah, you, I know you asked something about that leaky valve. Do you have any of those issues? Well, you know, I was going to ask, so uh, a medication like Ramipril is not a fix then? It's, um, it is not a fix, no. Not a fix. Mm-hmm. No, so and when, do you have a leaky heart valve? I do. Yeah, so what's your doctor doing about it? Ramipril. So, but he, you're just hearing that that's not a cure-all for it. It can certainly delay the progression of disease or the, or the heart muscle itself uh, may not get damaged from the valve issue. Again, I don't know the specifics, but you could push uh, the, the negative effect on the heart itself from your valve condition by giving a medicine uh, such as Ramipril. But it does not, it, the valve problem is a mechanical problem that has to be mechanically fixed. 
uh, and when you start seeing either symptoms or early signs of the heart muscle itself getting damaged or you start having symptoms uh, from that heart muscle damage then it's time to take a closer look of course we doctors have to balance the risk versus benefits always you uh, put a complex formula and see what is the risk of undergoing open heart surgery multiple things such as age comorbidities renal function etc go into that and if uh, your doctor feels that it might do more harm to replace your valve than to just push uh, surge, uh, open heart surgery by a medicus, medication such as ramipril that may be a better course i never had any symptoms so i i wonder and it was it was done i know you you said uh, you know the normal procedure is uh, to listen to the heart and uh, that's where you know the doctor picked it up i never had any symptoms right i'm not involved with any heavy sports activity either right you're right. not you're not playing professional basketball correct <laughs> not this week. Not this week. <laughs> the Yankees uh, won't give me a new new contract. <laughs> what do they know? <laughs> what other questions do you have, Leo? Well, you know, you know, my my concern really is, you know, with with having a, a large uh, family, uh, having uh, my my father having uh, had uh, heart disease, and my my mom, uh, my uh, uh, and some on my in law side. I mean, what? What do my grandkids have to... Uh, or your kids. And our kids, our kids are, yep, getting a little bit older than the grandkids. Right, right. So um, certainly having a family history of uh, heart disease or cardiovascular disease is very important. What we consider uh, a positive uh, family history, meaning the presence of risk factors within the family, would be uh, if somebody has heart diagnosed cardiovascular conditions before the age of 55 or 50 that would be premature certainly if uh, a family member was diagnosed with heart a heart condition at the age of 90 that's different from uh, being diagnosed at 40 uh, so if if you are a person who has a lot of family members that either are dropping dead in their early 40s or 30s or uh, early 50s or uh, ending up with heart attacks um then that should be an important consideration. How old was your dad when he passed, Leo? Uh, my dad was 59. Yeah, and he was from heart failure, wasn't it? From, uh, from heart failure. Yeah. And, you know, he, he didn't have any real symptoms, or, you know, I don't think they, they had the technology, obviously, mm, that right. they right. have today. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, but the... it does come on suddenly, you know, and I uh, explained to the doctor uh, the last time uh, we spoke that uh, in 2001, I never really had any symptoms except uh, one day I was going up the uh, steps to uh, our office uh, at the dealership and I had this crushing pain. Leo was right behind me and he just uh, led me right to the car. And From St. Anthony's, they uh, medevaced me down to a Valley Hospital in, uh, in uh, New Jersey, mm-hmm. Ridgewood, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next uh, day, I, from what I can remember, they did open heart surgery, and I had seven um, artery replacement. Right, but no indication before that. That's right. Uh, so you were, of course, lucky to to your first symptom was an actual symptom and not death. Um, many times, um, unfo- there are unfortunate patients uh, whose first symptom is 
sudden death while shoveling snow, as we probably heard a lot in the recent oh, snowstorm. Oh, yes, we did. Actually, Governor Como came on the air telling everyone how many people had died from shoveling snow. And right. he said, don't do that. And I thought he should have said it the day before right. to let right. people right. know right. instead of after the fact. But that is yeah. a really good point. Right. So uh, what I would strongly recommend, especially in these uh Uh, when the season changes or becomes too cold uh, and if you're planning to shovel snow make sure you've had your routine checkup with your doctor or your phys- you are considered physically fit don't make shoveling snow your first exercise of the year now what age should people start thinking about that you know, especially for men because they think you know when they're 59 that they're 29 right so. right 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 so if you are 25 and over i say uh First of all, get a cholesterol check. That's like a credit score. Just make sure where your cholesterol stands. That's the first risk factor that starts showing up. Uh, but after the age of 40, certainly uh, yearly check with your uh, regular doctor and uh, a risk stratification and perhaps a stress test if you're not a very active person before you embark on a uh, on an exercise regimen. If you are physically fit, going to the gym, running, Uh, that's a different story. You don't need a stress test every other year. But uh, otherwise, certainly if you have the right risk factors, family history, um, you should certainly get on a, get on a treadmill in, in the doctor's now, office. Now, Leo, has everybody in your family, you know, make sure that they get checkups specifically they, they, for cardiology? They do. Um, uh, they, they all go for complete checkups. And, you know, not only in a, in a situation of heart disease, but, uh, you know, with the history of... Uh, cancer in a family, they, uh, they get complete checkups uh, that way also. Right. Yeah, because we all know if you catch something early enough, your chances are much, much greater of success. Right, right. And there's, there's an interesting documentary out there called The Widowmaker. I, I would encourage any, uh, uh, everybody to go see it. It's available on Netflix. Uh, basically, talks about calcium score screening. It is a, uh, a CAT scan without dye that basically... Uh, <clears throat> Um, gives us an estimate of the amount of atherosclerosis in the vessels of your heart, even you do, if you don't have a blockage. So atherosclerosis is similar to the buildup of rust in your pipes. Uh, you, It's not yet causing a blockage to the flow, but if you allow it unchecked, it will cause the pipes to get clogged. So a stress test only picks up when the when there's a clog in your pipes. Uh, that rust is not picked up by any testing we do. The cholesterol levels will predict that, but a calcium score can actually give you an idea of how much rust you have. And if you have any evidence of rusting, maybe you need to get more aggressive with your cholesterol lowering and uh, dietary changes. Is there something people can do to stop that from happening? Is there a supplement or eating habits, or, or is that just hereditary? Uh, it's, it's the way we eat and the amount of lack of exercise we have. So rust buildup is going to happen. G- genetics are very important. Uh, I have some 90-year-old patients who have zero rust in their uh, in their system, uh, which is amazing. But uh, you just have to eat right, eat healthy, exercise. And if your cholesterol levels are creeping up, uh, go, get to, go see your doctor, come up with your risk score. We have multiple risk scores, Framingham risk score, ACCHA has come out with a new risk score and see what your risk of uh, heart attacks or death from a heart attack in the next 10 years is. And if there's a certain percentage uh, and above your risk comes out to be, then you should be on a higher dose of statins. 
Yeah, that, the, the concern of me is the word you say, statin, because they came out right. and said that the statins are causing liver issues and other issues. And I was on a statin for a long time and just stopped. Right. And uh, so I don't even know what my cholesterol is. So I can't. Do you know what yours is, Leo? Um, no. See, listen, <laughs> we're, we're bad kids. <laughs> so I'll tell you one thing. So the human psychology always tends to overestimate the risk of anything and underestimate the benefits because the risk when it happens is really so dramatic. Uh, for example, if you're flying on a plane, the risk of a plane crash is, sticks to our head more than the, the risk of flying safely and getting from point A to point B. Right. Uh, the risk of liver damage is the same. The, the odds are so much lower then the risk of unchecked high cholesterol, you can end up with a stroke, a heart attack. Uh, but the benefits are not as fancy uh, sounding as the, um, a dead liver from a statin. Yes, there is a certain risk, but uh, your doctor... But can if you're you taking it for long periods of time, that would not be harmful. It would not. I mean, if you are the unfortunate person that it affected the liver, then yes, in your case, it turned out to be 100%. So if somebody's taking a statin drug for 10 years, say, and nothing has happened to them and they get the check... They check up, you know, whatever the blood work is, et cetera, and they're okay. They can continue to take it. They can continue it, to take in it. In those tests, do they ever, is there a check for liver? Yes. Okay. Yes. We're always checking the liver once a year. Uh, we're always checking your muscles. Uh, the risk is about 1 in 10,000 of liver but damage. Is oh. diet also important? I mean, you could take a provostatin and go out and have bacon and eggs and defeat it the purpose. That's a very important point you bring up. Uh, there was a recent study a couple of years ago that found that people on statins are more obese. And that's because they found out they could eat whatever they want and uh, their cholesterol levels are fine. But it's really the waistline is not uh, really controlled well with statins that you have to work on your diet. We've, uh, we've gone over our time for this segment because this is so interesting. But uh, obviously the next one will be a little bit shorter, but stay tuned because Dr. Matavala and Leo Katie Sr. will be right back. And we're going to continue this conversation to f dispel rumors and let you know the new technology. We'll be right back. need of the finest healthcare services in the Hudson Valley, head on over to Middletown Medical in the Chester ShopRite Plaza. Our state-of-the-art Chester Center includes walk-in urgent care, primary and family care physicians, specialty medicine physicians, and pediatric express. Open seven days a week and conveniently located, Middletown Medical's Chester Center is your answer to quality health care. For more information, visit MiddletownMedical.com or call 845-469-2692. Hi, this is Dick Robinson. Will you join me for two hours of the Great American Songbook every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock right here on WTBQ Radio, worth listening to. American Standards by the Sea. Good morning. This is Taylor, and I'm back with Dr. Matavala from Middletown Medical, the doctor's in. Good morning. Uh, good morning, and I'm he and Leo Cady's uh, senior is on the phone with us. How are you, Leo? I'm fine. Good morning. Good Hello. morning. And you're doing better now that we're talking to Dr. Matavala, right? <laughs> I always, always feel better doing that. Oh, thank you. you know, during the uh, commercial break, I was thinking about the book 
that uh, doctor talk about the Widowmaker, and I always thought that was about unhappy housewives. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was talking about. That's a stress test you get every day. If you survive that, you're well, fine. Let me tell you how to cure that. Here it goes. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> right. That works for me. Right. The preface of the book. Yep. <laughs> so we were kind of ta- we were talking about the statin drugs and cholesterol, which I probably should get mine checked. I've been it's been a long time since I've had my cholesterol checked, and at one time before I took the statins, it was like 376 with 420 in triglycerides because my family manufactures this stuff. They couldn't manufacture money, but it seems that <laughs> cholesterol was high in the list. And I only found out when my son started college and they had to get a physical because we always ate healthy. We were in good shape. We worked out all the time. And my son was like 170 pounds and six feet tall and ate very healthy. And he said to me, you know, what's with the cholesterol? I went for a test. And he said, the doctor said that all of you should be tested. And sure enough, my brother, my mother, and I all went, and we were like out of the, out of limits. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so there is a case where, you know, even if you're eating right and exercising, if it's hereditary, you really need to have that checked. Yes. And statins may be not sufficient in a case where it is a real genetic problem. Fortunately, in the last two years, there's a new antibody that we can give injectable which really has had dramatic effects uh, and it's a breakthrough in our in our field where people who are either intolerant to statins or people whose cholesterols are sky high that we cannot manage them with statins now we have an injectable antibody that really takes care and of and what are the side effects of that a little muscle pain is that continuous or just in the beginning in the beginning in the beginning okay well, we that's... haven't had we haven't had much experience in the real world uh, personally i haven't yet because it's so new, so we still have we still. And how often watching. do they have to get that? Once a month. That's better than taking a pill every day, right, Leo? <laughs> yeah, especially trying to remember. Yes, yeah, that's the hard part. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so I want to continue with this. So, Leo, you had what? What are you doing now for your issues? That you know, maybe Dr. Montevala can input some information about what you should be looking for. Well, I been on the statin. I've been on simvastatin, provastatin and, uh, for many, many years. Um, but um, I'm bisolic uh, for uh, blood pressure and uh, uh, and the uh, Ramipril, uh, a, whole, a whole bunch of medications. But, um, you know, so far, you know, 82 years old, and I, I certainly don't, don't feel it. Uh, Last night we went to uh, see uh, Frankie Valli in concert. And he oh, that's stage. awesome. And he, uh, he sang for two hours without sitting down. I said, you know what? I still, uh, I can probably still do that, except I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you couldn't sing before, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, the Rami Pearl won't make you do that. If you yeah, don't know that pretty before. amazing. And you and I were talking yeah. about that. You know, it doesn't matter your age. It matters your mindset. Right. You know, and you, definitely you and Gladys, you're always moving and grooving and going somewhere and doing something. And it really does keep you young. It is part, as far as I'm concerned, part of your medical history is, you know, do you sit around and become a couch potato or do you go out and live life? Well, it's just like stress is probably one of the worst things that you can put your body through, mm-hmm. you know, for uh, either for cancer or I would imagine heart disease. Oh, no mm-hmm. doubt. Um, it, it just uh, makes it a whole lot uh, more difficult for your body to overcome uh, That's right. you know, whatever's so, going on. And what do you do for people who have enormous amount of stress? And may, they may not have it every single day, but there's periods in time that you go through months and months and months of you know, aggravation and stress. 
And how do you, what do you do to resolve that if you've tried meditation, if you've tried, you know, numerous other things? Is there a medication that helps people with this stress-related issue? Well, there's stress that all of us usually go through life with. Uh, but if it starts impeding on your ability to function, that's a sign that maybe you should seek professional help for that. And, uh, and by professional, you're talking psychiatric. Psychologist and then perhaps a psychiatrist. Psychologist would try to give you some tools that you could use without uh, resorting to medications. Um, as far as as much as I can avoid it, I'd like to not jump into medications. I like to give, including for heart, I like to give everybody a chance, you know, diet control and exercise before taking a shortcut of a medicine. Uh, similarly with stress, um, if you can handle it or use the tools that a psychologist or a therapist can provide, that's great. Yeah, because I think what's happened now, which I was shocked at, and, uh, and it's a number of years ago, maybe 10 years ago or more, someone told me that psychiatrists no longer treat people except with medication. Right. The psychologists now are the ones that treat people, and I'm a little confused about this. <laughs> so the, the psychiatrists are the pill pushers? Is that what has happened here, instead of sitting down to have the conversation? I think psychiatrists are more um, treating pathological issues rather than um, physiological. So, so a psychologist will sit down and tell you this is normal and you, you are within the normal range of anxiousness for your situation or anxiety. Uh, but if it's beyond your control, maybe you need a short course of medications uh, okay. to get you back um, or, or perhaps a longer course. What about, I mean, Leah was talking about different medications for statins. What about Avapro? That was around for a long time. Not Avapro, I'm sorry, that's high blood pressure right. medicine. Um, uh, Lipitor. It's still there. The reason you don't hear about it is it's uh, generic. Unfor that's the unfortunate reality of a capitalistic society. You yes. hear, once it goes generic, nobody hears about it. It's, it's, it's a great medicine. I, that's a first-line agent that I use in all my patients who present with a heart attack. It's affordable. Uh, what I'm told is you can buy it for $4 uh, for a month's supply at Walmart. Uh, and medicine, the new medicines are great, but if you can't afford them and you don't take them, yeah, then what's the point? What's the point? Right, right. So, Leo, you, are you on a cholesterol medication? I um, am. I on a cholesterol medication? Yes, yeah, to keep your cholesterol low, or oh, you just probostatin. Oh, yeah. probostatin. Okay, that's what you mentioned before. Yep. And yep. how often do you well, get I tested? A lot, a lot of it, uh, Taylor, too, is uh, you know your your mindset. You know. If you can go each day and avoid confrontation, because some people will draw you into that, and if you just avoid it uh, and eliminate confrontations, do every day what you enjoy doing. Like I, you know, I sold cars all my life and I enjoyed it, and I never, you know, uh, worried about it and it didn't cause any stress. But I, I think if I did something all my life and didn't enjoy it, it probably would create stress. I, I, I don't know, but I mean that's. My own self-medication ideas. That's a good formula. And that's something I kind of, I think we all say in society, you know, if you if you go to work and you love what you do, it's not really work. And, and that's the whole thing. If there's no stress there, I mean, there's like the doctor was saying, there's normal stress, but you don't want to stress yourself out to the point where you're having, you know, major issues physically, because that, it is true. I mean, I yes. do meditation mm -hmm. to try to relieve the stress and right. that transcendental meditation, which is different than other it's a 5,000 year old vague science which right. I learned in Fairfield at the University of Maharishi mm -hmm. and so yeah. um, you know it the main part of it people you know used to think oh it's voodoo no not at all 
all it does is relieve the stress. Mm -hmm. And it is really one, it, it's similar, Leo, to praying, you know, in a sense. You know, it, it, it kind of relieves all that stress out of you. Right, and, and set up a certain, either you can meditate or set up certain hours or minutes of the day to just have me time, sit down and do nothing, get away from uh, technology uh, and and uh, surround yourself with people who uplift you rather than drag you down. Oh those yeah, that's a key thing right. for me is, you know, try to keep those toxic people out of your right. life right. if possible. Right. Well, There's a book about you that. Have a book. <laughs> <laughs> I really wasn't trying to get a plug, uh, but why? <laughs> but since you mentioned it now, I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I found that people, when they finally did get rid of the toxicity, they were healthier. Right. I mean, we obviously know they were happier, yeah. right. but definitely healthier. And I'm sure you see that in your patients. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I um, mean, have you seen things where you've helped people to trying to resolve the fact that they need to take the stress out or meditate or find a way to relax? And then when you see them the next time, if they've done it, you've seen the result of it? Yes, I have seen it. Of course, I don't get into their family dynamics. and uh, Smart. The, uh, <laughs> maybe I should keep your book uh, on my front desk. Give it to them. Right? Uh, discreetly. But uh, no, definitely, as, as you get rid of uh, toxic situations or negative situations, uh, you can see. And smoking, uh, believe it or not, uh, once you quit it, people tell me that they are less stressed out. Uh, because they don't have the anxiety attacks as they get away from their usual time smoking time. Now, now, what I have had damage from smoking, I quit in 1969. Would That's any a of good that question. Damage? That is a good question. We did touch upon it last time. Um, but basically, the risk of bad things happening as far as cardiovascular events uh, keeps going down uh, depending on how many years you quit. And after about 15, 20 years... It normalizes uh, back to the to the uh, to a person with similar risk factors who has not smoked. Um, however, the risk of cancer and other things, uh, as well as lung damage, persists. Really? So, uh, in other words, if you've done damage, even if it's thirty lungs, years, lungs are not going to reverse. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. It's interesting what people go through. When I quit smoking, I quit smoking a long time ago, too, mm -hmm. because when we found the information out, my son cornered me, and he was in school, and he said, you know, Mommy, we learned that I could be sick from you. And I'm like, oh, not good. Yeah, so yeah. I stopped that day. Right. But my doctor gave me a, an idea of how to do it that worked great. Uh, sugarless lollipops. And the reason was is psychologically there's something in your mouth and your hand, and then there's, you know, tobacco sugar cured. So it gets rid of that sweet taste. And you know, within a couple of weeks, I was fine, because I think a lot of it is psychological. Yep, yep. And then I you know, got to a point where I was allergic to it and couldn't even be in the same room if somebody smoked. That, yeah, exactly. So they build right. up. Do you feel that way, Leo? Yes, absolutely. Oh, I, I can't. Even, even if we're sitting outside at a, a restaurant and somebody is smoking at the next table, I, I have a tough time with it. Me yeah. too. My head gets clogged up immediately. That's right. That's yeah, right. it's interesting how your body builds that up afterward. Yeah, and there are some online uh, uh, recipes of similar situations where you put salt and sugar uh, goggles is a formula I don't remember off the top of my head, and so, uh, that also has been known to fool those senses, uh, sim similar to what you're describing, and can help you quit. Yeah, so we any have addiction, not just smoking. Not just smoking. That's interesting. 
So, uh, so I'm just laughing because I'm thinking I can't see myself putting sugar and salt in my mouth at the same <laughs> right. time. Maybe a pretzel with some peanut butter that I can do. Is that salt and sweet? I'll be good with that. <laughs> yeah, maybe it messes up your brain. I don't yeah, know. really. <laughs> now, what are the some of the signs of somebody should be looking for if they don't have any hereditary factors? But you know, especially men. I'm sorry to say this, but it's true. They ignore symptoms. And mm-hmm. I know that a lot of times that people could save their lives if they weren't ignoring. How many times I've heard that. Mm-hmm. What are some of the symptoms uh, that somebody may be, you know, have heart disease or maybe, you know, having, you know, I don't know if it's called a heart attack or what it's called if those minor things happen mm-hmm. where they're out of breath and their arm hurts or they get a pain and then it goes away and they think it's indigestion or something. Right. Killer, you, you know, the question I would ask uh, just to uh, tag along with that, are migraine events? A warning of a heart disease? Interesting question. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, very interesting. So migraine is basically a headache, as as most people know. Usually not related to heart disease. But it could be related to vascular disease. And if you have vascular disease in one vascular bed, which is the brain, you you may have vascular disease somewhere else. Uh, Coming back to Taylor's question about um, symptoms and signs of a heart attack, Heart attack is basically an attack on the heart, and when you, you have damage to your heart muscles, uh, there are typical symptoms and signs, and then there are the atypical ones. Typical is what you uh, hear of chest pain, jaw pain, arm pain, neck pain, shortness of breath, nausea, vomiting, and sweating, uh, along with dizziness. So those are classic symptoms or um, symptoms of heart disease or, or an in- incoming, impending heart attack. Uh, women tend to have atypical symptoms. You can have stomach pain, you may have just uh, shortness of breath, you may have right arm pain, left arm pain, right chest pain. Even so women and men can suffer differently. Well, yes, the symptoms may be different, and they're, they're atypical in women. When we ca- we're going to have to take another little break right now, but when we come back, I want to speak with Dr. Madhavala Madova- uh, and Leo about the difference between men and women and some of the things, because I have some issues I want to talk about that you're touching on, so we'll be right back. When you're in need of the finest healthcare services in the Hudson Valley, head on over to Middletown Medical in the Chester ShopRite Plaza. Our state-of-the-art Chester Center includes walk-in urgent care, primary and family care physicians, specialty medicine physicians, and pediatric express. Open seven days a week and conveniently located, Middletown Medical's Chester Center is your answer to quality health care. For more information, visit MiddletownMedical.com or call 845-469-2692. Hi, this is Lynn Allen Sion. I'm the president and CEO of the Orange County Chamber of Commerce. Join us every Friday at 12 noon when we will highlight Orange County Chamber's events and business right here on WTBQ Radio, worth listening to. We'll have some fog out there this morning. Otherwise, it does become partly sunny this afternoon with a high still mild near 50. Clouding up tonight, we have an offshore storm forming. It could get close enough to bring clouds. It goes to the upper 20s. Then becoming mostly sunny for Friday with a high around 40. Clear and colder Friday night in the low 20s and sunny and pleasant on Saturday, 40 to 45. From the WTBQ Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Tony Salima. WTBQ. 
So we're back here uh, this morning with Dr. Matavala from Middletown Medical, and the doctor is definitely in. And we have Leo Katie Sr. with us from uh, a, a warm climate, let's just say. <laughs> Good uh, morning. <laughs> Good morning. So, Leo, we were just talking with Dr. Matavala about the differences in the way women and men may experience some symptoms of a possible heart attack or heart condition. And let's kind of just go over that one more time to let people hear, because listen, I've had stomach pain and it had nothing to do with food and I don't know what it was. And when you say that, it just like, and I have a heart murmur. I was born with it and I had breast cancer. And when they did the radiation afterward, there was some issue where they would pick up that heart murmur like in a second when they listened. Mm -hmm. But it seems to have dissipated as I guess I healed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't know now what symptoms would be because I get arrhythmia every once in a while. Mm -hmm. I get lightheaded every occasionally. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I'm not sure what's causing that. So that's interesting that you're saying that. Right. So we were saying uh, before the break that there are typical symptoms of uh, an impending heart attack or a heart attack, and then there are the atypical symptoms. Typical symptoms, of course, can happen in a man or a woman, and it should be taken very seriously. Uh, chest pain uh, lasting more than three to five minutes, uh, radiating to your left arm, jaw, neck pain, shortness of breath, dizziness, nausea, vomiting, sweatiness, uh, excessive fatigue. Um, those are all classic symptoms of, uh, of a heart attack or impending heart attack. Women, uh, for some reason, tend to have uh, atypical symptoms and maybe therefore present later to the hospital in spite of having a heart attack and sometimes are underdiagnosed. The symptoms could vary from uh, vague stomach pain, fatigue, right arm pain, uh, right-sided chest pain. or So it would be on the opposite side. It could be. It could be. See, Even in a man, it could be, but those are atypical That's what symptoms. the confusing part. Leo, didn't you always thought it was always the left side? I, I thought it was always the left side. Me too. Yeah. Right, right. Same uh, thing. Because the heart is on the left side of your chest, and it's automatically assumed that pain should come uh, exactly where the heart is sitting. It turns out that the heart, the nerve supplying the heart muscle, uh, originate from one common uh, area, and the way uh, the body evolves from your, uh, from a, from a fetal standpoint, uh, and which direction the nerves kind of go. That's how. Uh, your your limb is going to share the nerves with the heart, so that's how it can Very be. Very interesting. Be, See, right. living and learning every day, Leo. Right. Yeah. Right. Would that be the same um, uh, vascular uh, and atrial fibrillation? Would that be the same symptom? Uh, no, atrial fibrillation is an electrical short circuit in the heart, where the heart, the top part of the heart, uh, is not beating in rhythm, and it's just fibrillating or shivering. Um, many people have symptoms of palpitations, of their, of a fluttering in their chest, along with dizziness, um, and many people don't have any symptoms whatsoever. But atrial fibrillation can have multiple causes. Drinking too much, uh, if you are vacationing in Florida, so be careful, uh, can do that. Wow. Yeah. So the heat there could cause a problem too. Dehydration and electrolyte abnormalities due to the heat can do that. Yeah. So do you drink a lot of liquids, Leo? I, uh, um, the uh, the question is, was really important because my, my wife has atrial fibrillation. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but she is always well hydrated and we avoid the humidity as much as we can. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, she's, she's aware of the hydration. and. Uh, so um, atrial fibrillation is not a life-threatening condition. People could live with it. 
for the rest of their lives as long as you don't have any symptoms as long as you are on a blood thinner to prevent a clot from forming uh, inside your heart while it's shivering um which could in the future go to the brain and cause a stroke uh, so a blood thinner is important in the right um, setting uh, and heart rate control in atrial fibrillation is is also important so as long as those things are taken care of and you don't have symptoms you could just do go about your business with atrial fibrillation and how often should someone who has you know the a condition like that see the the cardiologist well in the beginning if it's diagnosed as soon as it's diagnosed you should make more frequent trips uh to your cardiologist once in a while i'll see them every 3 to 4 days or sometimes you have to hospitalize them and then once you come up with a stable regimen of medications um you could certainly um back off on the follow up so and how how often does gladys go well um it, it's it's not always a um uh, definite visit uh, she has a uh, pacemaker and uh, she needs to call that into the center i i guess every uh, two months and it's uh, uh it's done by uh, phone now actually now it's done through the cellular system and uh they uh, read it uh, give it to the uh, uh cardiologist and um he'll just, you know give her a call back and tell her everything is fine you know the pacemaker is operating fine if if not if it's got to be tuned i guess they do that over the internet right too. right right uh they usually cannot tune that over the internet but they can certainly get all the data uh but if somebody has a pacemaker like your wife then certainly you are being monitored for every heartbeat for the rest of your life so you don't have to physically show up at the doctor you have a device that's capturing every um heartbeat And you know the heart I wore a heart monitor once for 24 hours is a number of years ago. Right. I'm sure that's changed now. How do those things work? We still have the heart monitors uh but uh, there's newer technology coming up where you can just attach those kind of heart monitors or um to your iPhone or your smartphone and you may in the future not even need a special heart monitor as long as you have a phone uh which is an iPhone or one, one of these smartphones and their accessories medical accessories that are coming out uh so things What happens to privacy in those in those issues I know we got HIPAA all the time I mean on the cell phone how protected is that Well that those are all issues that have been worked out uh, to be worked out yet but um this would right now the tools are mainly for your own information and it tells you rather than transmitting to anybody else oh, okay. uh what's going on and certainly if you have an abnormal rhythm you can document it and bring it to your doctor or then choose to send it somewhere or if the doctor sees something right away they can say get to the emergency room right but that right now it hasn't come to that because of again the medical legal issues how many iPhones is a doctor going to monitor yeah that could be right. a real oh my right. god that could be your whole day right. right right so yeah how do you do that that's right so that's that's why uh, you may have you may have to get back the old time operators that's you right. know with the plans <laughs> taking the calls that's right you get that picture leo of the member on laughing With Lily Tomlin, one ringy dingy. I used to install them. <laughs> <laughs> I miss those. Those were funny. <laughs> what are those? I don't uh, see, he doesn't even know. Doctor Malov's asking. Doctor Malov's asking what it is. <laughs> Explain what that is, Leo. <laughs> that was the number five crossbar system that the Bell system in Western Electric had. Uh, and every time you would pick up a phone, you spoke to an operator, and 
they would plug into that number and your connection. Really? Yeah, they were like little, like the like pins that. we yeah, have right. that go in for our headsets. They'd like have the a big board like the size of this window. I see that in the old World War movies yes, in black and white. Uh, that's exactly right, what right, it was. Right, right, right. You, I, I you did those? I worked for Western Electric a lot of years ago. Oh, hmm. my gosh. Wow. That's got to be in the Smithsonian right now, I'm just saying. <laughs> Those were great. So that may be what that comes to at a certain point, because yeah. a doctor can't take that time away from seeing patients mm -hmm. or operations right. to answer all those calls all day right, long. Right, right. So the future is going to be shifted towards the patient where he has to monitor himself uh, and then and uh, you know identify if he's not feeling right. He may, get, uh, he may check on his phone and see if anything's going on, or the phone may alert him to call the doctor. God, I never thought we'd be at this technology. Did you, Leo? Imagine. I no. can't. I'm just stunned by it, and I'm pretty mm. much up on technology, but this is mind-boggling. Yeah. It's so life-saving that it's, uh, right. it's incredible. Right. It really is amazing. Well, we're going to take another short break, and uh, we will be coming back with Dr. Matavala from Middletown Medical, the doctor's in, and we're going to ask the, the doctor to tell us uh, where his office is and his phone number. And one thing I can tell you now before we go to the break, it's middletownmedical.com. And if you put Dr. Matavala's name in the search thing, you will come up with him, I can assure you. And we also have a picture and bio of Dr. Matavala on our website. If you go to uh, Thursday Personalities, you will see him there. Very handsome dude. So, Leo, stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be here. When you're in need of the finest healthcare services in the Hudson Valley, head on over to Middletown Medical in the Chester ShopRite Plaza. Our state-of-the-art Chester Center includes walk-in urgent care, primary and family care physicians, specialty medicine physicians, and pediatric express. Open seven days a week and conveniently located, Middletown Medical's Chester Center is your answer to quality health care. For more information, visit MiddletownMedical.com or call 845-469-2692. The Doctor's in with Middletown Medical every Thursday at 11 a.m. Tune in to hear their specialists discuss the latest techniques and innovative procedures right here on WTBQ, radio worth listening to. WTBQ. This is Taylor, and I'm here with Dr. Matavala on Middletown Medical, the doctor's in, and we are happy to have with us Leo Katie Sr., and we're talking everything heart-related here, and we're, we're back, and we were talking about technology that is going on. Now, what is some of the other technology involved in maybe some of the surgeries that you do that are kind of cutting edge right now as well? Right, right. Um, so we were talking earlier about um, valve replacements and stents. So in the past, valve replacements uh, required your chest to be cut open and then take out the old valve and put a new one in. Uh, nowadays, over the last few years uh, <clears throat> and longer in Europe, uh, we are able to do that through the groin, just like a cardiac catheterization with a... Um, with a um, a catheter and a hole in your artery as small as a uh, uh, a pen or a little bigger than that. Um, and you don't need the uh, chest cut open. So that's the latest and greatest in cardiology. The newer things that probably are going to come out this year are um, bioabsorbable stents. That they're, Those are stents that disappear out of your body just like a bioabsorbable suture. Uh, so you don't have to worry about taking blood thinners for the rest of your life. Um, 
there are newer therapies still in uh, trial uh, basis where uh, there's technology to see if you can come off your blood pressure medicines um, by uh, doing certain maneuvers around your kidney. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I, uh, the only time I was able to ever come off of that medication was when I lost enough weight. Right. So and that's, that's, that's the, key. That is a key thing. I'm just right. going to tell everybody. Right. That is key. Yeah. Uh, those are the most, of course, before you go to any invasive procedures uh, for a thing like blood pressure, you should obviously try uh, a healthy diet, exercise, and those um, essentials. The, uh, I, I should reemphasize the, the blood pressure, coming off of blood pressure is a lofty goal, and um, they are still it's still in very early stages, and we don't have any data yet. I know but, the first time they took me off of it was um, I did I did lose a specific you know not an, a large amount I think it was in twenty pounds, mm-hmm. and made a huge difference. Yes. And the, what they did is they cut me to one every other day, mm-hmm. then they cut me to a half every other day, so they weaned me down off of it. Right. Right. No, and that's uh, weight loss has many benefits. You may be able to come right. off many of your diabetic medicines, uh, and many people with sleep apnea may not need the sleep ap- CPAP machine uh, if they lose the right amount of wa- uh, weight, and if they don't have. Uh, that same thing happened to me when I cut down to three meals a day. Mm-hmm. What were you eating before? Wait a second. <laughs> How many meals were you eating? <laughs> I never remember you being overweight. No. No, this never. Just kidding, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, doctor, I, I have a, um, a question before it sounds like we're going to be uh, wrapping up soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, how old uh, uh, a child of uh, parents that have a uh, history of heart disease how old should that child first see a cardiologist? Well, I won't say directly jump on seeing a cardiologist. Obviously, if uh, you're diagnosed with a congenital condition right at birth, then you should be seeing a cardiologist regularly right from birth. But um, if you have a parent that has premature coronary heart disease, meaning um, a heart attack or blockages early on in your parent, then certainly at 25, you should get a cholesterol check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't necessarily, as I said, see, have to see a cardiologist, just see a doctor and get an evaluation. And certainly if something is picked up on your EKG or is picked up on um, your cholesterol, which being very high, or other tests, or if you're not feeling right for your age, if you're unable to participate in sports like the other kids in your class, then certainly the further testing should be done. Now, for other kind of disease, uh, or family history of other kind of disease, such as a family member dropping dead suddenly in their sleep or without any warning, then there may be other issues beyond uh, coronary artery disease that you should be worried about. Maybe a short circuit uh, in your electrical system or uh, a muscle abnormality in your heart muscle itself, which has nothing to do with cholesterol. Uh, for that, you might want to get an early EKG, maybe at the age of 18, as soon as you turn an adult. Uh, or even an echocardiogram, especially if uh, if a family member has a known diagnosis. And if, if if it is proven on an autopsy in the family member, in a first-degree family member, that there is a defective gene that led to the sudden death, then no matter what your age, the age of your child, you should get that genetic testing done and see if you uh, will become a future person at risk. Now, has your grandchildren been tested? Because they're older. They uh, they are older, and I I, I think they they see their their uh, general uh, practitioner. Mm-hmm. 
So will a, a GP or a family yeah, doctor be able to pick fine. that up? Yes, yes. Unless, as I said, there's sudden death is a is a whole different scenario. Yeah, well, at that point, you don't have a chance. Right. You right. know, so you know, it, like Leo is bringing up, which I think is extremely important. If you have family history, and we had another doctor on right. talking about how important genetics were mm-hmm. uh, in all the testing. We know in breast cancer, the BRCA one, BRCA two yes. test, super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, here we are in heart disease, and as Leo is saying. You know, when do you start looking at the grandchildren? Well, I guess as early as possible, because right. if they know they have a condition that's that could become a condition for them that it did for their family members, then they need to keep a check on their weight and, you know, their diet and their exercise so right. that that doesn't, you know, I think with all the new strides coming out now, that even if people have this hereditary factor, they can stave that off with the right yes, diet and exercise yes. and the mm-hmm. right doctor. That's key. The right doctor. That is key. But the right patient, too. Uh, right. You have to first start uh, being aware of what your body can and should be able to do and then recognize early on that it's not the same as it used to be uh, and and don't just attribute it to aging because uh, you'd be surprised. Symptoms of fatigue, there are many patients who just think it's uh, just a part of aging. I'll, I'll see a 55-year-old saying, I just feel exhausted. Uh, but you shouldn't be that exhausted at 55, especially if you're an active uh, person. And then when we investigate further, there's many times we find uh, hidden heart disease. You know, we would, uh, we're running out of time. It's just, we need a couple of hours, Leo, don't you think? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just never enough. I have about 20 more questions running in my head, and we've run out of time. Right believe it or not. It's just amazing. I'm happy to keep coming back. Yeah, well, that's what more. happens when you're seven times board certified. <laughs> just let me mention that. Leo, I can't thank you enough for joining in the conversation. Great questions and really appreciate your input. And I hope a lot of the things that Dr. Mala put out there were good for you as well. Well, thank you for including me. Uh, it, it's really, really interesting. And thank you, doctor. Thanks. Thanks to you as well. And always nice to talk to you, Leo. And, and yes. we're just going to mention MiddletownMedical.com, Dr. Matavala, M-O-T-I-V-A-L-A. I get right. that right? That's perfect. Oh, I did it for, for once. It's almost Italian, but it's actually <laughs> Indian. Uh, and the phone number is 845-346-0699. And, you know, anybody can questions. call uh, w- WTBQ, and we're happy to give you Dr. Matavala's information. If you have questions and you'd like to email them, I can pass them on to Dr. Matavala. And the next time he's on the show, he can answer your questions, or maybe even before that. So uh, the number here is 845-986-7766. And be sure to tune in on Thursdays at 11 a.m. for the Doctors Inn. And thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's it. Oh, Leo, that was great.